I know many people are eagerly looking forward to uh, the next big series here, beginning on Monday night. Uh, we'll talk about that very shortly. Hot dog, I can hardly wait. Ready to go. A lead at first, the pitch. Swung on, hit down to the third baseman. He dropped, back takes, throws to second, the one down to first, Welcome to the BBA Today, your podcast that covers events around the Brewster Baseball Association every day with your host, Yellow Springs 9 General Manager, Ron Collins. And now, let's get on with the show. Hey, it is episode 44 of the BBA Today. We have made it all the way up to the Henry Aaron, the Hammer and Hank Aaron episode of the BBA Today. And who better to cover number 44 than Matt Rechtenwald himself, Recti44, the general manager of the Nashville Bluebirds, the commissioner of the league. We are heading into opening day of 2043, and so he has been working his butt off all offseason. Matt, thank you for the work you do, and thank you so much for being here today to kick us off into the 2043 season. It's a pleasure, and uh, thank you for the work you do. The media guide just came out, and it looks amazing as usual. Yes, indeed. So uh, we all appreciate that. Everybody looks forward to that day. I will take all the credit for what Mike Simon has done on the graphics side and what Joe is doing and putting stuff together, too, and what all of the uh, uh, creative folks are. There's some really fantastic pieces in there Um would strongly suggest that everybody take a little bit of time and uh, focus on some comments that uh, Aaron has made um, uh, in his preamble, in his usual preamble. I think that we've got some really cool pieces on young stars of the BBA, along with some, uh, got a great glossary thing in there. We've got Shoeless, uh, horrible poetry again. I mean, how many other <laughs> online media guides can possibly suggest that they have poetry in every, I mean, we are a piece of literature. That is all there is to it. That's true. Uh, the answer to that question would be zero other leagues. <laughs> zero. Because there is the Brewster and there is everyone else. That is true. The, the Brewster almost has to be separated out and not even considered an online league as it is just this persona that it has grown into. Um, I like to call it a collection of madmen. I like that. I like that. Well, so much of that is based on your work and your energy, so I appreciate it. We are rolling into opening day. Um, what kind of thoughts are running through your head right now as we actually sit down to play some real, some real baseball? Well, we're ready to see uh, what's going to happen. Uh, real baseball is going to be fun. You know, we've got a um, couple of rebrands in the BBA with uh, the Sacramento Mad Popes, um, California Crusaders renaming, rebranding, and then over in Omaha, uh, the Omaha Hawks are now the Omaha Cyclones. And there is uh, quite a bit of uh, electric feeling around both of those franchises going into 2043, particularly in Sacramento. Yeah, I think that's true. And actually, we had a partial rebrand in Hawaii that uh, the team name right. had changed, but uh, we have some spiffy work that I know Mike Simon had done for um, uh, for Jaywalk there, and he liked it so much that he adopted it. So, um 
kind of a uh, witness protectus witness protection program there the the people didn't change but the the uh, um, the facade did yep definitely absolutely to see what's happening in both California and in Omaha Omaha in particular of course since they are in our beloved Heartland division um, mm-hmm. they're looking like a, a real baseball team they made the playoffs last year and blah I mean what we, we really to, are we got to put an end to that that's all there is to it well, this division is going to be, uh, you know, it's it's a seven-team dogfight for position. Um, then there's Des Moines, who could be one of the worst teams of all time this year. Uh, preseason predictions right now is showing that they are projected to give up over a thousand runs this year. <laughs> Uh, so that would be quite interesting. Yeah, Jeff has uh, been working on his offense, but his pitching is, uh, we'll see, his, it's awful young, so it could be an interesting uh, interesting year. You want to mm-hmm. basically just kind of run through the divisions, run through the teams in each division, and give us your thoughts on, give us kind of a quick take on what. Sure, what we'll do it uh, hot seat style here. There you go. Well, we were in the Heartlands. Let's go on and start with the Heartlands so that we can, we can uh, get our bias out of the way. So. Uh, right. Started with Des Moines. Let's. Um, uh, what else you got for us on Des Moines? Uh, Des Moines, bringing them up right now. So obviously they're in a little bit of a transition here after trading Don Smith. I am looking at their um, pitching. Looks like Timmy Carnes is gonna, you know, be in the rotation full time uh, for his first full season in the bigs. Uh, they did sign Bobby Lynch to a uh, free agent contract. It'll be interesting to see how he does there. Um, I'm also keeping an eye on a couple of their good relievers um, who are getting up in age, Ron Gabriel, and uh, they did sign Adrian Garcia of the free agency to go along with their closer, Jose Castro, and then... Um, third-year setup man, Pedro Tanone. So they do have uh, a foursome in the bullpen that is formidable and could actually bring them some some trade equity. Yeah, I think um, they've got some things to work with. On but another it, note... it should be a tough year for them, just if nothing else, yeah. because they have to play so many of the Heartland teams. Um, so it's a, it's a tough division to be a uh, complete re- rebuilt... <laughs> It is tough. I'd also like to say um, officially, rest in peace, Jefferson Riles. <laughs> um, Lineup-wise, they did bring in some free agents. Luis Barrera behind the plate. Um, they've got the bounty of the trade with Phoenix, with Mateo at first, uh, Chuka Yang at second, um, Dar Rimple still here, uh, Lucio De-, De La Cruz. And then uh, Yokoyama, who it looks like they are going to play in right field. We'll see how that goes fielding-wise. But there's definitely um, there's definitely a plan in place here. It'll be interesting to see how their season um, kind of plays out. Yeah, well, I'll roll right up the uh, spring training. Uh, I'll use the spring training register to uh, throw teams at you because next on the list then is Chicago. Uh, the Black Sox that uh, 
Benny Vitale has taken over, uh, clearly taken over the main seat there for Vic Kaleka. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, so that's a, a scary looking team from the way I look at it. How do you look at it? I think, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be tough to compete with. They've uh, brought in a couple veterans offensively to fill two positions of need in Jaime Ramirez at shortstop, Grant Lee in center field. Um, while they're not world-beating signings, they do fill very clear holes. And then they do have a solid pitching staff, uh, starting pitching-wise. But the real story here is their bullpen looks like the second coming of the uh, like Las Vegas Hustlers <laughs> last decade bullpens here. Uh, Cordero, Sosa, Salgado, uh, who is out for a short injury and then Paul Kemp probably going two ways. They they've got a ton of talent here. Yep. Very dangerous ball club. Um, how about, uh, oh, and their new logo, uh, need oh, to yeah, mention they, their new logo, right. um, quite spiffy, quite spiffy. Exactly. They uh, jumped on that so early that it, uh, that it almost, that it doesn't kept, uh, it didn't capture me. So I have to uh, mm-hmm. talk about that. Uh, let's go on up to Omaha. What do you see happening in Omaha? You talked about them as being quite electric. Well, the fans are loving the new logos. So is the league in general. Uh, what I, one of the things I pointed out in the uh, media guide in my rookie section was Wilson Estrada coming up to the bigs, who plays the same position as Emilio, Emilio Morales, Kind of a similar player, but with all of the gap power. Yep. And he is going to uh, probably start at first base. That could flip-flop at some point, but I think Estrada is a strong candidate for uh, a starting position here. Um, He's a left-handed hitter, too, isn't he? I don't have the game open to him right now. He is, yeah. He's a left-handed hitter. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what they do with Jimmy Starks, who doesn't look like he has a uh, clear starting position right now. Uh, their offense is solid all around, uh, even with uh, young Sharon at catcher. Pitching-wise, you know, it's, a, it's another year of development for Dooley. Uh, Lima was good last year. Yi was exceptional last year. Their bullpen may be a little on the weaker side. It'll be something to keep an eye on in Omaha, but I do like their um, offensive potential for sure. Yeah, without any question. And they've made some changes to their ballpark to uh, unweight the uh, righty-lefty-ness of it. So it'll be uh, interesting to see how that club performs now that Justin is playing the platoon system a little bit more uh, consistently than they than they perhaps have in the past. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. Alrighty. Uh, so let's see who is next on the hit list. That's this, uh, this Yellow Springs nine team, this ill fated, uh, USS minnow of a ball club. Well, if you like pitching, Yellow Springs is the team for you. I mean, it looks like, uh, is Josh Henson going to open as a starter or is that just a spring training thing? He's going to open as a starter because we don't have days off. Um, gotcha. You're going to do mostly the uh, four-man rotation, playing in 
days off kind of throwing in spot starters? Yeah, I mean, ultimately what I'm probably going to do is um, run uh, Carlos Valle out as if he's a four, you know, four-man rotation and rotate the rest of the guys around him right? Um, in five-man kind of formation and then use off days. Uh, Carlos Pineda is now getting to be old enough that I can throw in perhaps some extended innings, so we'll see what happens. Um, it, it might look different by the end of the year than it looks at the beginning. So as uh, much as there's, you know, talk about a Rodriguez behind the plate in Nashville, there's another similarly good-looking Rodriguez behind the plate in Yellow Springs who is a lefty bat with some pop but exceptional offense or defense, mm-hmm. and uh, he's also a captain. So looking forward to his second year in the bigs, I'm sure you are too. I am. Is Chenoweth going to break camp? Chenoweth is the starting first baseman and will start most games right now. Lucas McNeil will start occasionally against right-handed uh, uh, pitching and um, uh, ideally my young infield will not be, need very much of a utility kind of guy, but right now McNeil will play that and it will be horrible in the field. <laughs> yeah, I like um, Tyler at third. He's an up-and-coming youngster with some pop and a good eye. Pena really hit more than anyone expected last year. But it's his glove that does it. Um, and then you've got, of course, Dong Po Thum full-time at second this year. The outfield, the question here is, is Dugan going to play center, and is he going to hit? Dugan will certainly play center by the end of the year, but I sent him down um, mostly for roster space. I'm running out of spaces. <laughs> Me too. Um, he has options, and he and he does need uh, to get better, ideally, at hitting left-handed. I'd like him to play full-time because I need uh, platoons in both right and left field, and so I need a center fielder who can play full-time. My, right. my expectation is that Siddiqui is uh, going to be available no later than mid-year, and Dugan will be up before then. I, gotcha. I really wanted to play Dugan full-time, but I've run out of roster spaces, and that's it's a patchwork right now. I get the advantage in that sense of pushing him out, you know, getting the service time stuff, but that's, this is not a service time choice. Uh, My other option was to release Lucas McNeil and that is not happening. (laughs) Right. Right. So then I don't care uh, what you say service time or not. I am not releasing Lucas McNeil. (laughs) No, you got to keep, you got to keep that story alive. That's one of the benefits to having a 27 man roster is you can, carry on those legacy guys. Uh, It doesn't hurt you too much. One other thing I just wanted to point out in Yellow Springs, uh, it's hard to ever say a player from Yellow Springs is (laughs) under-hyped because of all the press that comes out of there. But lost in last year's uh, rookie class was, or not rookie class, but kind of emerging young players. We've got a guy here who batted 352 with a 400 OBP, 675 slugging and 1.074 OPS, 24 homers, 42 doubles, 106 RBIs. And this is my favorite part, 32 walks, only 30 strikeouts, and 34 steals. Sounds like a pretty damn good player, huh? That's Ricardo Mendoza. And if you don't know who that is, 
uh, y- y'all probably should because he's the future of the Yellow Springs offense. There you go. Yeah, All right. Him and Rex Foster. Both. Yep. And I see you have Bob Frazier on your spring training roster. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's back down and actually he'll probably end up being DFA'd, but he's a nice guy to have around. Yep. All right. Let's uh, talk about Madison. Let's talk about Madison. Madison is underappreciated in the way that they're coming together. I think a lot of people look past Madison, and that's a dangerous mistake. Do they have enough pitching? Probably not. But can they manipulate it in some ways to to make it be successful for them? I think so. Uh, You saw a guy last year in Jonathan Merritt who you know, was given a full season to see what he could do with that two movement. And yeah, he gave up 52 homers, but 0.9 war for a free player is, is never a bad thing. Yeah. They've got uh, Miyamoto at the top of the rotation. Uh, looks like Doyle is going to miss the first week, but they are penciling him back into the starting rotation. I think that's a good, good pickup uh, where it gets really interesting for them is they're going to have to find an answer to the back of their rotation to have success this year. Uh, Offensively, they are well balanced. They've got Shimizu as their star. They've got Torres. They've got um, Jose Hernandez now turning into a real superstar at second base. Um, Picked up Hank Brewer to team with Hale behind the plate. This is a up-and-coming team that just needs pitching to be right in the mix. Yep. Just needs pitching or a little bit of uh, random, randomized luck or an injury or two happening someplace else. It's a team that can... Uh, I don't like seeing Madison on my calendar, on my schedule, um, because you feel like you should be able to beat them, but at the same time, uh, you feel like you have to beat them in order to stay ahead of everyone else because they might beat other teams. And if you want to be, you want to be the team that they're not beating rather than the team that they are. Um, so yep. uh, a really dangerous team. Um, interesting, interesting to watch Mike work right now. Um, mm-hmm. So Twin Cities. Twin Cities. Uh, they're another really good team. Uh, it's like a broken record, but this is our division. Pitching, they've got it up and down. Chris Kelly at the top of their rotation uh, looks fully healthy and ready to go. Um, solid pitchers throughout with, you know, up and coming Perez, Lothbrock, uh, Valdez, who I actually traded to him. He was a um, starting pitching conversion that worked out really well. And then offensively, they are just absolutely loaded uh, up and down the lineup. This is a team that could win 90 games in our division. Yep. They uh, surprised a bunch of people this year, but they're not going to surprise anyone next year or, you know, this last year. To They surprised a bunch of people last year. They're not going to be mm-hmm. a surprise this year. And when you put Chris Kelly... Uh, there's a question mark around Kelly, of course, because he was injured all essentially all of last year, and so you um, you uh, hold your breath a little bit in the first month or so of the season to make sure he's not hurt again. But uh, put a, a 
even a 90% Chris Kelly at the top of that Twin Cities uh, rotation, and suddenly you get a <laughs> you get shivers running down your back when you start thinking about yep. playing them. You got it. So where are we at with Nashville? Talk to me about your off season. How are you feeling? Um, pretty good. I I just kind of wrote up an article a few, uh, day or two ago. Uh, there's going to be a lot less platooning going on this year. The roster is starting to stabilize. I believe this is my fourth year with Nashville, I want to say. Um, we like our offense. I'm a little skeptical of um, whether or not my shortstop position is going to work out, but we'll work through that. Pitching-wise, everyone always says we have no pitching. Well, let's talk at the end of the year. <laughs> um, what you're going to see this year, and I'll, barring injury, watch for this. I guarantee you that Lorenzo De Medici has over 250 strikeouts as a reliever. Oh, my. If you look at the preseason predictions, he is projected for 334 strikeouts in 189 innings. Hokey smokes. He is Josh Hader. <laughs> he is Josh Hader. He will strike out a ton of guys. He will give up some home runs. Um, but watch for that in this version. He's going to pitch a lot more innings. I'm going to use him like Huber's used in Vegas. And he's got an electric arm. That that could be the difference. The reason we didn't make the playoffs last year was one-run games and blowing late leads. That'll do it. Especially in a, That'll leave, especially yeah. when you we, you ended up what one run or one win out of the playoffs. So one win, yep. Uh, we lost out on the last day of the season. That's almost like the worst thing possible because then you can go back to every single loss. <laughs> yep, and say, and say what one. happened here? What happened here? So that leaves Louisville so that leaves in Louisville. our division, who needs no talking about. The only question is, will any of the rest of us finish? within 10 games of them. There you go. So, I mean, I think they should be expected to win 145, 148 games. And absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, anything less Blacku will hit 80 homers and, uh, Borges should bat like five sixty, and there you go. Yeah, anything less than those, that, uh, ownership should just release all the players and start all over again and rebuild. Yeah. <laughs> They're, uh, uh you know, all joking aside, they are frightening. Uh, they are going to be a handful, just like they were last year. Yeah. But if they're if their pitching stays healthy, it is wait for um, it. If their pitching stays healthy, it's really hard to see them losing. Uh, that's really the only the chink in the armor that I see is that a lot of their pitchers have uh, injury histories and you worry about that yep. just a little bit, but if they stay healthy, I mean, they were pretty much healthy last year and you saw what happened. Right. Starting next year, they're going to get a little tighter on salaries, uh, but still even with uh, Boehner's 30 million coming off the books for next year, they're still going to be, you know, around $20 million of cap space. Yeah. So I don't see this train don't see this train stopping anytime soon yeah steven shell will figure something out he's mm -hmm. he's a he's a uh, master at figuring stuff out <laughs> so figuring stuff out there you go so let's see that's through the heartland uh you want to stick in the frick and go down to the pacific right now yep so we've got uh where do you want to start 
Uh, let's start at the top and go down this time rather than the bottom and go up. Let's start with Sacramento, the Mad Popes. You already talked about them a little bit at the very beginning. Yep. Um, they're, they're the heavy favorite, of course, um, to win this division. It'll, you know, we've got Luis Gracia towards the end of his career now trying to hang in there, kind of losing some stuff. Um, they've got a veteran laced rotation, if you will. Um, the bullpen is kind of a, we'll see what happens. Offensively, you're going to see some new faces. Um, catcher between Kazuki Saito and one of my favorite new names, Eddie Underglider. <laughs> he kind of glides under the surface, right? I mean, right. no one talks about Underglider. Yeah. So you've got, um, you know, not a lot of power on the club. David Simpson is just horrible, so let's leave him alone. And then Luis Gonzalez, a little bit of pop. Otherwise, this is a pitching and defense style team with Poros uh, at first base, Encarnacion at second, Lugo third, Tommy Kramer's looking like the shortstop. Yeah. They've, they've got a good... Um, team that sticks to the fundamentals and they're going to win a lot of games by doing that. Yeah. And young Danny Garcia helps uh, balance out some of the age of the rotation, but I'll, I'll be the first to say that for at least the last two seasons, I've been saying, you know, California, their pitchers have got to get old someday and you know, someday that will be true, but so far it's never really quite uh, panned out that way. So uh, maybe there's something in the water there in Sacramento that are keeping the uh, Ramoses and the Crossias and, and uh, so forth, uh, chugging right along. So that yep. will be interesting. Let's talk about Hawaii. So Hawaii, uh, of course, has a beast of a starting rotation that is all generally, the top guys are 25 and under. You've got Steven Taub in there as well. Their pitching is going to be their strength. Uh, they've got Aguilar Jr., the rotting carcass of Etienne Lafitte, McBride, big power guy, Mike Campbell, big bat in the outfield. Uh, they have Shiplack at catcher. This is a young, up-and-coming, kind of like a Louisville light to me. And it'll be very interesting to see if, you know, I've been predicting them to take this division for the last two years, and it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So I'm going to say they're going to be right in there again. Yeah, they're going to be in there. I will actually say, in my opinion, Hawaii will take it. Hawaii actually won the division if you only count the last, what, two and a half months of the season. Right. Um, and so, you know, young team going coming up versus a established and veteran team who have kind of theoretically peaked um, projecting out, I would, I would say I still expect Hawaii to win this division. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think Sacramento is as uh, as as big of a favorite as everyone seems to think that they are. Uh, but right. you know, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's me projecting forward, and and uh, and who knows that, who am I? Uh, let's go, San Fernando. San Fernando. San Fernando. Randy Wiggins. We have. A pitching staff that was pretty bad last year. 
and now they're dealing with some injuries. We've got Cortez out for three months. You've got Carlos Lopez out for a month. You've got Chang kind of day-to-day right now. Uh, they are going to give up some homers. Al Barton atop the rotation. There's, uh, They're going to have to do their damage on offense. And this is not the Bears teams that Randy had when he first came in the league that were just slugging, you know, like a thousand runs every year. But he does have Vargas. He does have, you know, Chris Martinez, Alex Ramirez, Ty Ho Wee. It's a a good team, uh, but I see far too many warts on the team to really call them a true contender for the division. They could be on the outskirts of the wild card. Yeah, I think ultimately the injuries in the pitching staff – uh, the the Bears I've been touting for a little while as a team that I thought was um, potential to be able to exceed expectations. Those injuries, you know, that they're thin. Their pitching staff was actually not horrible, but very thin. And now they've kind of lost a couple of them. That starts to mm-hmm. get angsty. Yep. Uh, For sure. But, you know, we and Ramirez and a couple others, um, you know, they've still got some bats. I just don't know that they're going to be able to beat teams 10 to 9 every day and that's right be tough yep well let's talk about uh the long beach surfers team with one of the most sought after starting pitchers in the league for the last couple of years he's still in long beach and donya Chekinov. Uh, what else do they got when you look at them well they've got Chekinov. they've got a couple other uh, Ernesto Delgado is a very, very good number two pitcher in this league. Um, I like Vallette as a starting pitcher. They have Lozano starting for them, which I just think is awful. Uh, he's going to walk almost a guy in inning. He should be in the bullpen. Yeah. He'd be a very, very good bullpen piece of which they have really absolutely nobody to speak of in the bullpen besides Luis Manuel Rodriguez, who is going to be a rookie. Um, and Lucero, of course. Offensively, eh. When Mario Diortes is your biggest signing, apologies to Jared Gilstrom. He is no longer an impact player. Uh, you're in trouble. Um, Gonzalo Martinez is pretty much their entire offense, and I'm projecting them to finish last in the division this year. Yeah, they they're uh, going to have a hard time scoring runs. I think that's I think that's been a problem for a little while, and it probably will is not getting any better right now. Now the preseason predictions like their pitching staff a lot more than I do. They actually say they have the second best projected ERA in that division. Uh, let's wait and see what the predictions look like on tonight's sim. Yep. When, when, uh, when the rubber hits the road, that's when things actually start to uh, start to get real. Um, let's talk about a team that's been kind of in the middle for the last season or two. They were on an upswing. That's Valencia, the Valencia Stars. Yep. Um, uh, seems like they've been at a crossroad for about a season, a season and a half. How do you see them turning? Which way do you think they're going? 
Well, um, out of the park seems to think they're going up. And to me, they look a lot, as we were just talking about the old Bears teams that would outslug people 11 to 10. That's what this team is kind of looking like to me. Their offense is pretty heavily loaded uh, and nicely balanced between lefties and righties. Angel Zalapa is, of course, one of the best players in the league. So is Aaron Haney. So is Ramon Pagan. They've got bats up and down the lineup. Offense is not going to be their issue um, at all. Pitching-wise, here's where the problems are. As many home runs as they hit, they're going to give up as many or more. On their projected starting rotation, these are the movements. Five, three, four, three, seven. So it sounds like an old Madison Wolves team. That's just going to give up a ton of homers. I am, um, I am bullish on their offense, bearish on their pitching. I am very interested to see John Olson come up this year. It looks like he may crack the opening day roster as their closer, and I think he's going to do quite well. Um, yeah, I think one of the interesting things about Valencia's pitching staff is that they are so full of guys. Um, um, so full of guys that are actually really solid stuff and control guys, uh, mm-hmm. substandard movement guys. Um, so, you know, I like to try. I like to think that you can have one hole and still be productive. Um, mm-hmm. But if everyone has the same hole, that's an interesting, <laughs> uh, interesting the, problem set. The good thing is, is their ballpark does tamper. Um, offense a little, but it does not tamper home runs against right-handed batters. So it'll they're going to have to you know play matchups yeah. a lot you know, this year. You know, we've talked about it a few times. I always worry about a team that relies upon their ballpark, you know, upon their ballpark to put a bandaid over their weak spots. That's yeah. Um, um, there's a difference between taking advantage of your ballpark and using your ballpark as a as a shield. Um, yeah, and that's a mm-hmm. be interesting to see how Valencia comes about here this year. But yeah, offensive—they've got some of the brightest. Uh, they're the Valencia stars. They've got some of the brightest stars on the offensive side of the of the uh, of the game right now going on. So they're uh, they can actually beat you nine to seven and ten to nine if uh, if they need to. Sometimes yep. so interesting in playing in the Pacific, they may do that a lot. <laughs> They may. Absolutely. Uh, uh, let's go to Seattle, another team that seems to have been um, trying to decide what to do for a couple of years. Well, Seattle is still kind of in that same mode right now. Uh, they've got some veteran players on their team, uh, particularly their, you know, their big three pitchers, I guess you could call it. Ken Walter, Luther Summers, and to some extent, Gordon Graves. They've got some youngsters coming in like Yasir Bin Lutfi. Um, San Pao Shang is going to break the rotation this year. A couple guys in the bullpen. Jared Perkins looks like a stud in the making. But then they also have Pavel Bure Jr., which now officially forfeits them from me talking about them in any positive way whatsoever. Um, offensively, this is not a power-centric team, if you will. Uh, they do have power hitters in Vander Hoogen 
being the primary one, but their outfield is the strength of their team. Uh, they're extremely deep with young star potential guys out there in, you know, Julian, Todd Rice, um, Penn Haranda. I do like Eric Jones at their shortstop position. I think they um, just need to keep building along. Uh, Francisco Salazar looked like he was going to be a stud at catcher when he first came up, but he has faded fast. They just need to kind of uh, keep rebuilding. Oh, my God, they have Carlos Camacho. Let's move on. (laughs) Yeah, I think Seattle, uh, I I have to admit uh, an odd mental bias to Seattle. I keep thinking of Seattle as a much stronger offensive team than they have been in the past. Right. Uh, Just because, you know, the the problem is is they no longer have Rodriguez and Escobar and those kinds of players. Yeah. And I and so my brain has to reconfigure itself when I think about yeah. Seattle Modern. Um, when those guys retired, they were they were the thousand you know nine hundred thousand run team with a horrible pitching staff. Yeah. But no, it's over the last seven years they've been the opposite. Yeah. So. Well, let's uh, talk about a total wild card here in Portland. What Chris Wilson has been doing in Portland this year. Uh, what do you make of it? So everybody's been hyping the Portland thing. I think it's time to pump the brakes a little bit on that. They're going to have, you know, one, two, two rookies in their rotation probably. Um, Ray Verhove is their nominal ace, I guess. They spent a bunch of money on Amaral. Their bullpen is exceptionally weak um, as you would expect from a recent expansion team. I did like their signing of Manuel Martinez for some power. They've got a couple of intriguing um, contact first bats in their lineup with uh, Normore and Myung Hwan Kim. They have a lot of work to do yet. This is not a contending team in any shape or form. Yeah, I think their biggest issue is their bullpen. Um, yeah, it's it's horrifically bad. Yeah, they're going to have some contact. They're going to have some games where they score a whole bunch of runs just because they get guys on base. They've got a pretty, f- depending on injuries again, you look at Rocha and Amaral, both of them are, Amaral in particular is older. Um, yeah, I forgot to mention Rocha too. Yep. You know, so I think they've got, they've got some guys in the rotation that as long as they don't get hurt, they can be workable without, you know, be a, I mean, that's a major league rotation at least. Um, yep. Uh, they are not going to be super. Cons- they're not going to be able to three-run homer their way out of a lot of problems, and their bullpen could uh, could be a, an issue before it's all said and done. But I don't see them as a 60-win team anymore, no matter what. Uh, so it's a it's a step forward within for Portland, and we'll see how big of a step when when the games get playing. And let's round mm-hmm. out the Pacific. And let's go to Vancouver and round out the Pacific. Um, Taylor Betancourt's. Uh, work over the offseason work. What do you what do you grade it? What do you expect out of Vancouver? So I like what Taylor did in the offseason. Um, two years ago, Vancouver was an emergent team, and last year they took a huge step back. And rather than panic and try to change everything, Taylor stayed the course. And I really like that he did that because he's got young talent galore on this team. Jeffrey Smith is only 24, Fernando Castillo 26, 
Angel Gonzalez is 23. Sato at third base is 23. You know, Sato at first base, that's Masaki, is 25. Alejandro Ortiz is 23. The lineup is filled with young guys. Uh, the pitching staff, also the same. He's got Lando Klomp, uh, is the wily veteran of the group at only 29 years of age. Um, but some very good-looking youngsters here, Daniel Avila, Miguel Ayala, Gustavo Hernandez. I like them all. Quentin Mullins is probably going to be the best of them after some time. Uh, if they want to carry him right now, he is best suited for the bullpen. Uh, I like Raul Garcia in their pen. They've got some good arms in their pen. Nobody who kind of explodes off the page, but very, very solid arms he filled positions with veterans that didn't break the bank to kind of augment his young players rather than freak out and go tear it down. Yeah. So kudos to Taylor. Yeah. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, the big question, you see a team uh, two years ago, they won their division last year. Um, last year was a tough, <laughs> a tough uh, bottoming, uh, a bottoming out. I don't know what happened. Sometimes that happens to teams and uh, watching what a general manager does to, uh, uh, deal with that is is always interesting. I mean, they went to what they they won seventy five games or something like that last year. I mean, that was yeah. the bottom just fell out. Um, so mm-hmm. almost by definition, you would hope you would hope to expect some kind of a rebound if they did nothing. But you've got so many young guys that are this could be a this could be a sleeper for the division two. I don't know if I would project them to be top one or two, but it wouldn't be. You know, I mean, the dice roll, they, they, could, they could come up Vancouver's number. That's... Yeah, there's a, definitely a path for them to make an impact this year. All righty, so that's down through the Pacific. Let's move over and maybe start with the Frontier over in the Johnson League. Um, in the in the lesser league that we were talking about potentially, you know, um, demoting, uh, what's the word, relegating down into the Umeba and bringing the Umeba up. But what the heck, we'll leave them in the in the uh, BBA for a while here. How's, how's yeah, so for? I think the front <laughs> the frontier is um, the frontier is getting pretty good. Um, they're not so top heavy as they were, and I think up to top to bottom they're going to be pretty competitive. Right now, um, who do you want to start with? The top? Uh, sure. Let's start at the top of the spring training list, and that's Boise. So Boise's going to be really good. They've got decent pitching. They've got exceptional offense. Um, They've got somebody who used to be Lloyd Braun. I like them. Pat Alexander behind the plate is an interesting player to watch. Kato is going to play some there. They're kind of a balanced team, you know, with their superstars. I think they're going to do good things this year. Yeah, I think they're similar to um, their their pitching is similar to Portland in the fact that they're they're focused in their rotation. In my mind, their bullpen is not as strong as some others, uh, but offensively, they're um, they're one of the stronger. I mean, they've got four or five guys who can play anywhere. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, 
So, you know, as long as that rotation hangs in and does even a little bit, uh, Alisea, Herman, and Cooper um, were, uh, you know, serviceable guys last year, and they've got a few other guys rolling in. Um, you know, the, the starting, the pitching doesn't have to be brilliant for Boise to be uh, extremely dangerous. Right. Um, so let's move on down the line. I think that Calgary was next in the line in the at eight and eight in spring training in the last two weeks of spring training anyway. Uh, so let's talk about Calgary. So Calgary is ravaged by injuries right now. Um, they've lost Frank Boland for the year, I believe. Yep. For the year they've lost Fernando Rangel for the year. They've lost Chairman Mao for five weeks. And they are a crush-you offensively team that had a pretty decent pitching staff behind it. Their bullpen is not strong in any way, shape, or form. Um, but they do have some really good starters, even without Boland. I'm, if I had Ariano, Gilliam, Granados, Ihara, and Pierce as my starting five, I would be very confident that Nashville was going to go to the playoffs. Um, they also have a better offense than most teams as far as producing big run innings. So I think Calgary is going to weather the storm. I think they will sneak into a wild card spot. There you go. That's um, I would, I would have uh, put my fake dollars on them being a wild card team until the injuries and now I'm kind of on the fence is uh, is what will happen but I, I can definitely see them being there at the end they definitely they, they have the they have the pitching they have uh, have bats how can you how can you really <laughs> uh, go against them I think their react their result last year was con- was considered a uh, I think a lot of Calgary fans were scratching their heads at, at what was going on there because that they uh, they did not end up where perhaps they were expecting. Uh, right. Talking about not knowing what to not, not being where they expected, let's talk about Las Vegas, where Brett did the classic uh, fire sale rebuild in the middle of the trade deadline last year, and now what's yeah. going to happen in Vegas? Well, they're not going to be a playoff team this year. I can say that emphatically. They still have some veterans yet to ship off, and I'm sure that Huber is going to be highly sought after. Um, They have the Italian, of course, offensively. Wannon, Ashford, Bartolo Ortiz back. Otto Altener is an underrated first baseman. Um, I just don't particularly like the totality of their team right now and I'm, I don't think Brett truly does either so it's going to be interesting to see how this team comes together. Is it going to be a uh, an underachieving team or is it going to be one of those hustlers teams that nobody knows who the hell is on the team and they manage to win 90 games? Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do, it depends upon their pitching because I don't think their pitching is uh, you know, you, you compare the <laughs> uh, you compare their pitching to three or four of their other uh, division mates, and um, I just don't know that it stacks up right now. Right. 
Um, so let's move on to Mexico City. So Mexico City did just a couple things this offseason. And I don't know. Uh, this kind of a team that, you know, Vase is always a pitching and defense first team. They are not a big offensive team. I don't know that they have enough arms to get it done this year with the offense that they have. Um, I just don't know. Um, it will be interesting to see if they can find a spot on the roster for Dusty Rhodes. I would like to see that. They are overloaded at catcher, so a move could be made there. He was trying to move his uh, Sin Me, who would be a big get for any team looking for a catcher. Um, but this could be a transition year for Mexico City as well. Yeah, I think of a lot of it probably depends. If I were sitting in Fred uh, Holmes's seat, I would be looking at A.J. Mahoney. I'd, I'd call A.J. Mahoney into the office and say, dude, I need you to, to make it happen. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, because, you know, they lost Rocha to free agency, uh, probably wisely didn't spend the money that it um, would have taken to keep him. You're right. This is t this is a pitching defense and and uh, contact hitting ball club, which is really fun to watch when it's all working together, um, mm -hmm. because then it overperforms expectations. The problem is is that uh, as soon as you lose one of those, as soon as something chinks a little bit on those, um, you you start to get uh, water leaking in, and it doesn't look so good. <laughs> So right. I don't honestly know what to expect out of Mexico City uh, this year. I'm I'm more watching Mexico City as a fan, uh, trying to to be entertained. Um, so I, I would not argue if somebody said they were going to be a playoff team, and I would not argue if somebody said that they were going to going to crash and burn. Well, you know, anything could happen in my mind. Um, and talking about crashing and burning, let's move on to Speaking Wichita. Speaking of crash and burn, let's talk about Wichita. <laughs> poor Nigel, um, the, the cashless poor Nigel guy, who, the cashless man. Nigel, who, quote, on Slack says, okay, I'm a shit GM. <laughs> no, you're not a shit GM, Nigel. This is this was a horrible freaking team that you inherited, yeah. and it's going to take a while and some TLC to turn everything around yeah, I think Nigel because what I see on this roster right now is one giant shit burger. Yeah. That is all I have to say about that. Yeah, I think Nigel understands that it's pretty clear that he's managing his finances last year and this year. And his fundamental goal is to get the team stable. Uh, I know he's making some uh, um, draft picks that are somewhat controversial um, I love the Hayworth pick. I like the Hayworth pick. I don't know that I love it, but I like it well enough. And I like the, you know, I don't know that it is my style uh, to make this attempt, but it is partially my style. I like uh, finding guys who are um, going to be cheap and who can play, you know, and give me essentially huh? six years on the cheap and, and Nigel is using some of his earlier draft picks to do that. Uh, the counter argument of whether you should throw out, uh, you know, go out and get some of the bigger names and then try to use them for trade chips or do whatever, you know, I'm not, I, I do that too. So I, 
Yep. <laughs> I can't argue one way or the other, but uh, but I will definitely say on the entertaining scale, I am greatly enjoying watching Nigel going about doing his work and, and his sense of humor about things and his uh, sense of wonder about things. And um, and I, I like that he's got a plan. He's got a plan and he's going to make it work. So it's a yep. long-term plan, and I think he knew that within minutes of taking the Wichita seat, I think he knew he was in a... Uh, <laughs> In in a in some dire straits that Stu left him, um, yep, you know Stu, Stu went for the went for the downs um, before he left, and it didn't work out right. And so now Nigel is uh, Nigel and the Wichita Aviators are stuck trying to figure out what to do next. Yep. And on the uh, side of what is going to happen next, here is a team that is on the huge rise, and that is San Antonio. Mike Calvaruso actually had his pitchers go almost an entire year and not lose uh, any hey, major hey, no ones. Jinxies. <laughs> no jinxies. No jinxies. So. so San Antonio is, to me, a team that is ready to join Boise and Edmonton in the elite group of this division. Uh, offensive superstars, they've got them. Their pitching is a huge strength. Uh, I'd like to see them you know, look to improve maybe at second base, um, maybe another reliever or two, but I like this team overall. I like it an awful lot. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a team uh, offensively. I'm really, really excited to see Stinson and Bustamante in the offense at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, um, add in Octavio Morano, who I think that, uh, Mike just extended a couple of years, probably through his um, through some arbitration years. I don't remember. I just scanned the, the thing. This is a team that can beat you nine to eight and can beat you twelve to one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, really, an interesting time here for San Antonio. And I completely agree with you. I think that uh, Boise, Edmonton, San Antonio um, are the are the class of this division, and I would have put Calgary in there in the same kind of vein until those injuries. That makes me ponder, but it's it's a fun division. Yep. I'm going to jump down since we just talked about Edmonton. I'm going to skip Phoenix for a minute and go to Edmonton, and then we'll come back to Phoenix. So Edmonton, real good, real good, offensively and pitching wise. It's hard to find too many weaknesses with Edmonton. I think that they will win the division, and I think that they will win at least 95 games. It is hard to argue with that. I do like San Antonio and Edmonton actually a little better than I like Boise. I can't tell um, if San Antonio had had a had a stronger year last year. I would probably be saying arguing with you on that, but uh, it's hard to argue San Antonio will beat Edmonton for the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was definitely interested since we had just talked about San Antonio to match those up kind of side by side. Um, quite honestly, I wonder if San Antonio's got the better team uh, by the end of the year. Uh, San Antonio is a young team, and so as a general rule, I think young team, very young teams, are better at the end of the year than they are at the beginning. So don't discount the youth of Edmonton either. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have. They only have one player over 31 on their entire offense, and that's Katzenbogen. 
And as far as starting pitching, Troop is the only real veteran of note here either with Renard in the bullpen, you know, Torres, Ventura. But their young core is young, just like San Antonio's, but they've got a couple years head start on them. Uh, yeah, and I think that's uh, a part of the thing. The, the other piece that I'll put there is that in my mind where I'm kind of falling out, um, whether it makes sense or not, BBA old is probably 27. Yep. Um, it, well, and that's moving yeah. over the next few years, but right. for now, for now, I think BBA, BBA old. old is like 28 to me, yeah. but yeah. we're in the same ballpark. Kind of that same basic feel. So um, in that sense, a couple of the Edmonton players are getting to that, what I'd call BBA peak age in falling rather on the offensive side in particular. Um, so uh, it's interesting. In my mind, uh, I hadn't really thought about it. In my mind, I kind of separate out an aging curve in the BBA for hitters, probably peaking at 26-ish and then going yep. down. Pitchers, I think, is more classic. You know, likely peak unless they get hurt in the 24, 25 frame, and then they keep strong until 32 or 33. Um where they start to, to fall off by age or injury if that happens earlier. But that's just, I'm kind of rambling now, so it doesn't really matter. Yep. <laughs> Let's go back to Phoenix. Uh, how are you thinking about Sean Marco's team? Um, I don't like it. <laughs> I did not like their move for Don Smith, and here's why. There's just too many holes on this team to be picking up that last ace. Uh, their offensive mix has some severe defensive issues, which has always been a, a mark of a Marco team, pun intended. You know, De Castillo is really not a second baseman anymore. Um, Issa Ken Mimier is a horrible third baseman. Stromberg's still good at short, but he can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag anymore. Jose Colon is a terrible left fielder. Ramiro Hernandez is a okay right fielder at best. And I just don't like the other pitchers that they have around Smith enough to say that I got it. Um, that being said, Marco's going to do something weird with the pitching staff that'll Boggle all of our minds. I, I like to think he's the new Alan Ailers. So watch him prove me wrong and win ninety games and make the playoffs. It is possible they've got the uh, they've got I think the roster that can win. I don't know if they can win at that rate in this division. Um, right, but you know they've got the kind they got enough uh, solid pitchers and enough solid players that if they get a little bit of a random luck I agree with you on De Castillo at second base but he could make a decent third baseman he should be a third um, right right so if they could find a way to to grab a second baseman and Sandux Sim as a catcher is a pretty solid basic catcher and they've got a uh-huh. you know Stromberg at shortstop isn't much in the field anymore but he can still get on base like mad and he's at least he's kind of league average fielder um and then they've got some solid outfielders um they've got enough guys that you could squint your eyes and say yeah they could win uh they should be a pretty decent baseball team I wouldn't like to play them a whole bunch but at the same time, yeah. you just can't see them um, 
something doesn't feel uh, it doesn't feel like all the wheels are on and things are rolling right in, right. in that sense. Um, so I don't know that I, uh, I, I, I agree that I don't really like their team, but I can see it winning games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of I know like it. how I always look at like Marco can squint and see something that I, I can't see. Um, it's always been that way with his teams. I'm like, I don't know what he's doing. And then they're good. Um, it's been that way, you know, for the last, God, how old am I now? Jeez. Marco and I have been playing leagues for almost 25 years together. Um, all right. So then we got the Atlantic and we're getting, we're getting a little time pressed here. So So light zoom along. How about we start from the bottom and work our way up, uh, charm city. Charm city, uh, Brandon appointed himself the, uh, worst GM in the league. I believe he's not. Uh, I loved his trade for Wilkinson. I thought that was brilliant. I liked his trade for Feliciano Rafael a little bit. I do um, like his uh, pitching staff a lot. I think Manshirt is going to be really good. You know, um, Neverez is out, but he hasn't pitched well in three years anyway. Um, offensively, the lineup is solid, not spectacular. His off his outfield is kind of underwhelming, and there's a lot of outfielders to find. So I could see Charm City retooling throughout the year and kind of working themselves up to be a big contender in 2044. Yeah, and the Atlantic is going to be a, another uh, interesting division to watch because I think there's a lot of uh, I can yeah. I can almost see any of the Atlantic teams coming out. Before it's also over, yeah, especially over the next couple of years, I think this division is going to have a huge flip between good and bad. Yep. Well, let's talk about Charlotte. Let's talk about flipping from bad to good to good to bad to what the heck is going on in Charlotte with uh, Brett Golden and his work this offseason. Their pitching staff is abhorrent. Is that strong enough? (laughs) Yeah. It's like offensive to the to the nose. It, it stinks. Um, they've got a strange balance. Well, not even a balance. Let's just say that they've got a lot of old guys, and I don't know why. Yeah. What do you think? Well, they've gone on an interesting, um, interesting quest here um, before. You look at that. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what Brett's, uh, you know, the, the plan. plan is, but then I've never Trademark. really understood what Brett's the plan is uh, at any time. But he, I, he left. A, I understood it when I took over Nashville. Yeah, but, he left yeah. a, a medium, a decent amount of talent for you in Nashville. It was an interesting situation. He had financial problems there. I don't think he's got the financial problems here. Uh, I think he's hurting with, uh, I see Viramontes is hurt, um, which yeah. you know, makes a, put, puts a damper on it. I look at his offense and I see a whole lot of guys that can just do things, uh, not right, a lot but of not star like power. Great things. Um, Richardson and Fredesso are the two young, you know, yeah. quote unquote, big prospects. And they were both just awful last year yeah so i'm hoping that that's not for real and they'll they'll emerge this year that's got to be what he's hoping yeah um you know i I think there is hope here in the in that there's 
there's more work to be done. <laughs> uh, so um, if the if the uh, if the plan is going to occur, I think it's going to occur in the next two to four years, probably next, not the next one to two, but. Uh -huh. um, and it may well be that some of these guys that he's brought in can be flipped in the off season uh, to fill in some other spots. I do like some things going on in the minor leagues, uh, but it doesn't seem like every move seems to be moving towards a, a similar, unlike say uh, Nigel in Wichita, right? All of the moves Nigel makes, I look at and I can understand in context of what he says he's trying to do. And I can argue whether I like what he says he's trying to do or not, but he's doing what he wants to do with Brett. It's uh -huh. he's he makes moves, and a lot of times I think they make sense. Uh, but then I can't look at his team and come up with a cohesive idea. You know, Sean Marco, I can generally look at his team and come up with a cons uh, cohesive idea of what he's attempting to accomplish. Uh, he just right. doesn't build teams in the same way that I personally do. Um, so anyway, that, that's. I was interested in what you were thinking about with uh, with Charlotte because um, for me, yeah, I just don't get it. If, if you're rebuilding, you shouldn't be trading for guys like Aaron Stone. I just that's my hot take. Oh, there you go. Let's move on to Brooklyn. Uh, All right, Brooklyn. So new, uh, went out new GM, new style, um, traditional pitching staff, Legrand on top. I like the pitching staff in general. It's not as um, top-heavy as I would like from a team like this. Looking at their offense, it's just good uh, is the word I'm going to use. Just good. There are some young guys coming up. You know, I think Dixon is going to be a star if you can find a place for him to play. Yep. Uh, you know, Sawyer Schliz is amazing. He could be a a silk candidate. He's become more than I think anyone thought he would be. Um, Cordero's star has kind of faded a bit, but he's still a good player. Um, well, they've got Flores behind the plate. This is this I, is I, a team that won the division last year, so it should look I, good, right? Um, no, it's 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 a good team. It'll just be. You never know when you change GMs what's going to change. So I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with Brooklyn. Yeah, definitely. Very excited to see what Ben does with it, uh, especially given that he's taking over for a guy who is known as a tinkerer and doing things under the surface. So um, um, very intriguing time period there for Ben. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about Greg Greathouse's Jacksonville Hurricanes. Uh uh, Greg has done a fire sale in the, in the middle of last year and has been working his whatever magic Greg has over the off season. What do you what do you think the results are? Well, they're not going to be that great this year, but I think he's got. Uh, you'll see in my article in the media guide, he had three guys in my top ten rookies this year. I was looking at Dykstra in center field, Pickens at shortstop, and Costa at first base, those are going to be three huge impact players in the lineup that is young and emerging. Um, I loved This was a total recce move, and I appreciated it, that he traded me Alejandro Ramirez for a bag of donuts last year and then immediately re-signed him in free agency. 
I love, I love that. There you go. Um, he needs more pitching. I like donuts. It's, yep. <laughs> he needs more pitching. It's obvious. He's going to, you know, be a lot better offensively this year. He's still going to be building up to be a contender. But if he can find the right arms to join this lineup, this is like a potential juggernaut team in waiting here. Yeah, and I think uh, if he gets a little bit, I think if Jacksonville gets a little bit lucky in the pitching area, uh, they may actually overperform a little bit. Um, you know, they need Carlos Rodriguez to come and have a, a serious season. Um, yeah. You know, so that's a – anytime you've got a guy like that, I think he's coming back from injury, if I remember right. Um, that's a – Their defense valid. Oh, I missed something here, too. I want to interject. Um, I had said Pickens was kind of a borderline shortstop in the rookie watch. Well, he's got him playing third base with Pris at short, so yeah. problem solved. Yep, there you go. Uh, Jacksonville has a really, really good defensive team. Yep. I know Greg has been working on that, so um, that is that is a Greg Greathouse style of, yep. uh, of player. Yep, because remember last year uh, when he took over, Jacksonville had a really, really bad defensive team. Yeah, well, if you look so, at him when he did Umeba, he took Beirut from a um, – from a uh, bumbling fielding team into a into a dazzling fielding team, and that's one of the reasons why they climbed the charts while he was under that seat. So let's move on to Montreal. Uh, got three more teams here to get through. Um, we got th- uh, four, three, one, two, three, four more. We skipped New Orleans. Oh, too. we skipped New Orleans. Dang. Bad well, idea. here, Cliff notes on New Orleans. It's a gym team. He's got superstars that come up through the system every year. It's nothing's the same here. Um, Gilberto never is, is my number one rated rookie. His pitching staff is good. His bullpen is good. His offense is better than good. Um, he's going to be right in the mix again, just like every year. Yeah. And I, I agree with that too. I will also say though, in my mind, for whatever reason, I keep thinking that New Orleans is underperforming every Uh year. I think they're going to take the division and, you know, two years ago, he lost his starting rotation, and I blamed it all on that, which makes total sense. I mean, if you lose, what, four right. or five starting rotation, you're you're pretty much done. But then he didn't, uh, New Orleans didn't uh, take the division like I thought they might this last year, and a couple of years before that, they were a little bit off. So um, my eyes and my brain says New Orleans is... Um, a top contender, but my heart is beginning to go, okay, these guys have bit me three times now. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to do there. Yep. So let's go back to Montreal. Sorry about that. Montreal. So they had a good spring. Uh, They were a surprise team last year, uh, kind of faded a little bit towards the end, but I think they're in good shape moving forward. Not a lot of changes. Uh, Their pitching staff is, frankly identical to last year they haven't made any changes with the offense really either um other than adding keith schultz to the mix in center field uh, i think he could be all right there he is not a star in center but this battle play you know aldo and gonzalez they're superstars it's a it's a intriguing team yeah. The key here, of course, is how good is their pitching staff going to be? 
it's a mix of a lot of older 20s guys. And um, Ando is the big young gun there who had an awesome year in his first year in the rotation last year. I'm not sold on Joe Whitaker as anyone's closer anymore. So the bullpen may be their downfall. Yeah, I think there's questions that remain, but at the end of the day, this is a team that was in the playoff hunt until the very last three games of the season last year, uh, even despite a ill-fated um, um, ill-fated deal that kind of blew up in their face. So um, a lot probably depends on injuries for Montreal before it is all said and done is my easy way out. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, let's talk about another uh, middle zone team could go either way. Uh, Joshua Biddle. It's not unusual for me to think that for an Atlantic city team. Um, I can, I can almost always see that they could overperform. Um, and sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't. What do you think is going to happen with Atlantic city this year? I think they will be kind of in the middle again. Uh, you know, Juan Rivera, Juan Rivera is, one of the four best players in the league. There's no doubt. Um, their pitching staff is a little too questionable for me, and I'm not sure I like their infield other than um, the corners. I don't like their middle infield too much. Dean is okay at second. Allman, eh, you could do a little better at short. I don't know. Um, the, I look at the lineup and I see a solid contending team, but it doesn't feel like that. Very hard to describe. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. It seems like either their pitching or their hitting seems to underperform what you think that they ought to do year in and year out. Uh, but the offense should be... The offense should be kind of upper third. The offense should be top four or five, I would think, in runs. Their offense is it's also very heavily left-handed. Yep. So, um, you know, when you go up against Martin and Cannon all the time, yep. that's where they're not going to do the best. Yeah, that's uh, – it's got a – the team has a Stever feel to it on the offensive side. At mm-hmm. least, and they've been looking for pitching for a couple of years. They, I don't know if they got a great season out of Kevin Morales, but he's a solid guy in the in the upper end of the rotation. You know, they've got names. You look at them and you think that that team could win. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they look like about an eighty-four win team to me, give or take a little bit. And if they get a little bit of luck and the wind blows out at the right times, I could see them winning ninety games. I could also see yep. them winning, you know, <laughs> seventy-eight. <laughs> Right. So, alrighty. So let's move on to the last team in the list, uh, number thirty-two on the scorecard, number one in our hearts, uh, Alan Weiner's Rockville Pikemen. What do you expect out of Rockville this year? Aaron Weiner. Aaron. Aaron Weiner. You still had Brook, uh, Brooklyn on the mind. I did. I think. So, how much longer are three thirty-four-year-old pitchers going to be able to keep doing this? That's the question. With Rockville. If those three guys stay healthy and do their thing, this is a potential 110-win team. No doubt in my mind. You've got Dempster, Cannon, and Martin, along with Zhang. 
you know, some combination of Dunn or Hone in the stirring rotation. Houston and Leach are one of the elite reliever tandems in the league. And offensively, they are in really good shape. Uh, Zao at first, you know, Daniel Pepper, Valentin, Wilson Alomar, Lorenzo Palacios, Manuel Rivera, Julio Barajas, uh, just goes on all day. They are also extremely left-handed offensively. Um, but I think this is clearly the cream of the crop of this division. I would pick them and put some money down on it. There you go. But this might be the last year of their run. Yeah, it's really hard to say because their offense, like you said, is so uh, the offense is quite young and quite good. So this could convert mm. uh, to a to a pounded out kind of team as long as the pitching is just reasonable. They had a really horrific start to the year last year, and quite honestly, I don't know why. Uh, Nobody does. Daniel Pepper yep. reminds me a lot of Lucas McNeil, uh, except he doesn't hit right-handed. Is right left-handed pitchers as well as McNeil. He does not hit lefties, uh, no. As well as McNeil does. He hits lefties well enough to play full day and be a really solid baseball player, but he should be uh, better than, I can't remember, I think he did like about two more last year, and that maybe it's a, just a sophomore slump. I don't, you know, who knows what. <laughs> what uh, yeah, what I mean, it was in the hard to... Of our little fake baseball players. But, uh, hard to match the 5.7 war he put up in 75 games in 2041. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen again. Uh, but, you know, I, I I don't think that 10 war is expected <laughs> of, of, from, even, anyone. Uh, from anyone right before it's all said and done. But I can see him being a, a solid four and a half or five war player um, and should be. So in the pitching, even beyond the top three is okay. Right. I mean, yep. I, I like the the back end of their bullpen. Yep. I think their back end starters are good enough, especially with that lineup. Um, I worry about the depth of the bullpen a little bit, but you know, how many teams have I said that about? Yeah. It's a league wide issue. There you go. They're, they're going to be good. It's very hard to have uh, elite players in roster spots one through twenty seven. So. Alrighty, so we have gone through the entire league. I appreciate your patience with me here today, Matt, and thank you so much for being here for uh, episode number forty-four. Um, yeah, getting us into the into the twenty forty-three season. Uh, it's been a great deal of fun chatting with you about the league. So thanks for yeah. your time. Yeah, for everybody who doesn't know why why Recti forty-four. Well, Henry Aaron is my favorite baseball player of all time. I really respect you know all the things that he went through in chasing down the home run record. He's a great man. He's a great ambassador for baseball. And my son is named after him, Henry Aaron Rechtenwald. So well, there you go. I don't know if there is a better way to go out than that. So thanks a lot, Matt. Uh, good luck this year. Thanks for all the work you do. And I know you got a sim to prepare for. So uh, I will, I will let you let you lose now. Yeah, I think there's going to be a few people waiting for this one, so we're looking forward to getting the season rolling. All righty. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Ron. You've been listening to the BBA Today, a podcast that covers the Brewster Baseball Association every day. Music is Bold Statement, available at fesleyandstudios.com and used with attribution. Be safe and well, and we will hear you again tomorrow.